Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of Co-op Couch, the Arnie's gaming series. I'm Austin Terry, and I'm joined by my player two, Matt Johnson. Matt, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Happy to be here. I love this podcast. I love doing it. I love recording it. I, and as everybody out there probably knows, I love talking about everything movies and TV. And we've already done some episodes in the past on gaming. So I like now that we have our own series where we can just devote it to gaming. So I'm glad that we're incorporating that as well. So I'm happy to be here for our inaugural episode. And yeah, I'm excited to jump in. Awesome. Well, on today's show, we're going to open things up with a little bit of talk on our hopes and dreams for the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. And then we'll be taking a look forward at our most anticipated games of 2021. But first, Matt, this is a brand new series for the Arnies. Why don't you tell everybody what we hope to do here? Yeah, well, like I said, we basically, we talk about movies all the time. We talk about the newest TV shows as well, giving our reviews of each and every episode. We've done that with The Boys, The Mandalorian, now WandaVision. But, you know, like I, like I mentioned, we, we've talked about Last of Us Part 2. We've talked about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. That's kind of been mostly what we've talked about with gaming. And whenever we started this podcast, we wanted to make sure we incorporated gaming I guess it's more of a balance. So, you know, this is a perfect way to do it. This is going to be a monthly series. We're shooting to release each of these at the end of the month, somewhere around there. And it's just going to be a full episode devoted to gaming. So who knows? Maybe sometimes it'll be about a brand new game that just came out we want to give our thoughts on. Or it could be just us diving back to a random game or a random series. It's a favorite of ours. We want to revisit and just see if it holds up. So it could be anything and everything. And this episode, like Austin said, is going to be us looking ahead to the year of 2021, what games we are most excited for. And Austin set it up perfectly. Look, we each have our own lists, but there's one game, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, that we just both had to agree it had to be on there. So it's the perfect start. And that's all I got. So I'll throw it back to you, Austin. Okay. Well, as you heard in the intro, we've got some new theme music today. Let's hear it again, and when we come back, we'll be diving into our hopes and dreams for the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. All right, Austin, so we're talking 2021 right now, which means before we go anywhere, our priority, the big thing we got to talk about is one that is going to be on your list for most anticipated, and it's certainly going to be on my list for most anticipated. And that is, guys, it's a remake. And I know for some people that's kind of like, who cares? Play the original. I don't care. I'm putting it on the list anyway. We need to talk about the Mass Effect Legendary Edition coming June of this year. Austin, I know you're as excited as I am for this, right? Oh, I cannot wait. The Mass Effect trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies in gaming, probably the favorite trilogy in gaming. Yeah. I am so excited to get back into this series. So we don't know a whole lot, but here's what we do know. It is essentially a remake or remaster of the original trilogy and all of its downloadable content. So mm -hmm. all that additional stuff is going to be in there and remade as well. Perfect. It's going to feature graphical and technological improvements. And beyond that, we don't know much. So we figured we might as well talk about what our hopes and dreams are for this remake. So many. I mean, first of all, it's just going to be nice to have, like, I mean, right now for like Xbox 360, I have the Mass Effect trilogy. Like, so I have like multiple discs inside one little case, basically. So <laughs> it's going to be nice just to have a more compact version that has all these games in one place. That'll be great. And of course, having the DLC not feel separate, but a bit more integrated will be great. As for what my dreams are, I mean, the main one is... I just hope whenever I play it, look, I don't need to feel like I'm playing a fucking PS5 game. I don't need that. That's a bit like crazy to think, I feel like. I just hope it feels like at least a, a little bit of a modern game, you know, because when you play those old games, they look good for the time. But when I play it now, I just hope it is, isn't like one of those cheap remakes or remasters where it looks like marginally better, like barely any better. So that's my biggest dream is I hope it just looks good. Like, at least for today. I mean, what about you? What are what are some things that you are just really hoping we might see from this? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm hoping for is that they make a good amount of tweaks to the gameplay of Mass Effect 1. In terms of quality and just gameplay enjoyment from 1 to 2 is, is astronomical. Because um, they change everything when, it, when they switch to Mass Effect 2. So I really hope that they take those mechanics from Mass Effect 2 and find a way to implement them into Mass Effect 1. That would be kind of interesting. I don't know how hard that would be, obviously, not as a developer. So I'm curious if that's something they'd be interested in even doing. But 
That being said, I feel like they've been working on this for a long time. So who knows? Maybe making like significant changes to Mass Effect 1 is something they've always wanted to do. I, I really hope they do. But yeah, because that one is genuinely kind of tough. And I love the story of it. I love the RPG elements. But the actual like like, pers- like the third person perspective and the gameplay just does not really hold up at all. So I, I agree and with you. And the inventory management in that game is brutal. Oh, well. you're right. So I forgot I, about I think, that. I think they just they have to make a lot of changes to that one, especially since they are having this planning for this one to come out on both, you know, current gen and previous gen. I just think having an, a graphically updated Mass Effect 1 on the new consoles is going to kind of feel like a letdown. I feel like they have to make big changes to that game in order for it to feel like it was worth it. I agree. I agree. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. Um, also, I guess it kind of begs the question now that we do know that they are working on a true Mass Effect sequel because we got Mass Effect Andromeda, which I know was a bit controversial. I know you really liked it, Austin. It's one that I plan on playing finally before this uh, remaster comes out. So I'm definitely going to dive in. Yeah, I think with Andromeda, you you really just have to look at it as a, as a standalone because they do have some really cool elements that they introduce in that game. But I think everyone was wanting it to feel like a like a spiritual sequel to the Mass Effect trilogy, and, and it, it isn't that. It's a standalone single game. So if you go into it with those expectations, I think anybody that is a fan of Mass Effect will find things they can like in Andromeda. And I know when it when it first came out, it kind of got shit canned in terms of reviews and stuff. I think it's kind of taken the Assassin's Creed Unity trajectory where now I think people are coming back to it and finding things they like and it's it's starting to get a more favorable opinion in the gaming community. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to play it. It's something I've been putting off for a while. I own it. I just haven't dived in yet, but I am excited. And yeah, I think you're right. It's not called Mass Effect 4. It's a standalone, so there's nothing wrong with that. And the coolest thing they introduce in that game is they actually make it feel like you are exploring and colonizing planets. Like when you touch down on these different planets, you feel like you are actually exploring an entire planet. So they, they do introduce some really cool things. And you know what? I I don't think they're stupid over there. I think they're going to take the stuff that worked and put it into Mass Effect 5. Um, and speaking of Mass Effect 5, again, that's not an official title, everybody. It's just what we're what we're going to call it for right now. But they've said, and they've showed a quick little trailer, that they are making a game right now that will continue in some way after Mass Effect 3 with featuring some amount of characters that we know, at least Liara for sure. So it's going to continue after that. And... I feel like with this remaster, do they ha- – Austin, what do you think? Do they have to like kind of establish a canon ending to three? Because there were so many options at the end. I'm kind of joking. There was really three. <laughs> but then afterwards, whenever they like went back retroactively and they they released a DLC that kind of made the ending better. It was like, the, it was like an extended cut. So I'm curious, what do we expect from the ending of Mass Effect 3 in this remaster? Do you think there's going to be any changes so that they can, I guess, feel like they can move on to – a sequel more appropriately or will us not worry about that yeah so here's what i'm at with that i i found it really interesting that they announced legendary edition and then pretty quickly after also yeah. announced mass effect 5 so I, I i guess i just think that this could be their chance to go back and give us a concrete ending to mass effect 3 and then use that to tie into mass effect 5 so i think they actually might be making some tweaks to the ending or at least giving us a for sure canon ending in mass effect 3 but we'll have to see that could be cool I mean, here's the deal. As long as Garrus is in five, I don't give a shit what they do. All I need is him there hanging out with me, the player, and we're going to be good. That's all we need. How far in the future do you think it's going to be set? Oh, like after three? Um, yeah. I don't know. Probably not too far. I mean, I feel like that trailer kind of made it seem like they're still having issues with the Mass Effect relays in terms of travel. I could be totally off about that. But... Again, I can't – I feel like the Asari live for a while. So if they're just showing Liara, I guess it could be set way after. But again, you know what? After Andromeda – I think it's way you after. You think so? I think the only carryover from the trilogy is going to be Liara. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. Um, I guess I would just be curious what the conflict is. And then it's also one of those things, do they overcorrect after Andromeda? Because maybe they would have liked to make a game that just features Liara, but then maybe after the poor reception to Andromeda, maybe they're like, shit, if we're going to make this, we need more characters. We need Garrison there. We need Liara. We need some other familiar faces. Well, and there was supposed to be a there was supposed to be a sequel to Andromeda that got scrapped after the poor reception. Yeah, that's right. So... There are some there are some plot holes in Andromeda that still need to be wrapped up as well. I guess the thing is now that they're moving back to the Milky Way, I guess they might feel like they can just leave it behind. But we'll see what happens. Maybe somehow it'll feature. I have no clue. But 
I don't know. I love Liara as a character, so as long as she's there, I'm down, but we'll see what happens. I think this Legendary Edition is going to be nice because it'll take a while to get through, and then hopefully once we get into 2022, maybe this new Mass Effect game will at least be on the horizon, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Any closing thoughts, Austin? It sounds like we still have a while until Mass Effect 5, but I am so excited to get back into the Legendary Edition and play a new and improved version of the original trilogy. I know. I'm excited. I'm going to see, you know, as Mass Effect... You play at different points in your life. You got to see if you play any differently. So we'll have to come back and talk about that maybe on a future episode of Co-op Couch. Like replaying Mass Effect, did we feel like we had to play differently? Like do we lean more towards Renegade or Paragon this time? What changes? So it could be a fun conversation. Yeah, I, I honestly can say I've played through the entire the trilogy in its entirety, I think four times now. And each time I've had a, a completely different experience. It's just such an incredible game. Totally agree. All right, Matt. Well, let's go ahead now and let's talk about our most anticipated games of 2021. Perfect. I'm excited. We each picked three. We had no overlap here. And I don't think that was on purpose. We actually picked our three and just happened. None of us picked the same thing. So that's kind of exciting. We have a very diverse list here. So Austin, start me off. What's your first game of 2021 that you just cannot wait to play? My first one here may actually be my like most anticipated game of 2021 because I am just so damn excited for this one. And it is... Outriders. Um, This is a third-person shooter that is set on the planet of Enoch. The basic premise is that humanity has been trying to colonize Enoch, but the mission to do so went astray when a strange energy swarm swept through the planet. Those that survived were left with superhuman abilities that then make up the four classes of the game. So Matt, do you know anything about this one? Not at all. I know you've sent me a couple things just over the last few months, and I've seen that, but Other than that, I haven't really seen anything. I haven't been following this game, but I know you're excited about it. So what else can you tell me? Yeah, so this is going to be kind of a cover-based shooter. Um, You'll play in squads of up to three people. So perfect for, you know, me, you, and Keith. Um, The main story Mm -hmm. will be focused on you and your squad exploring the planet and trying to find the source of a mysterious signal that may indicate hope for humanity's future. Um, Like I said, gameplay is, you know, cover-based, classic looting and shooting, Loot quality and combat rewards will scale as the players level up. And the kind of a unique twist in this one is you don't heal your character from traditional like health pack or potions. Instead, you have to kill to heal. So the game awards aggressive gameplay. Okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. So talk to me a little bit about some of these classes. You mentioned that there's these four superhuman abilities that make up the classes. So it feels like we could have some pretty cool stuff. So I want to hear what those are actually. Yeah, so there are four classes, and, and you'll kind of work within your squad to kind of use your classes to help each other. So there's your trickster, which is kind of your typical assassin-type class. Uh, this one can control time and space, so it can go into slow motion, or it can warp around the battlefield. It's really good for hit and runs. Ooh. Uh, then you have your pyromancer. This is kind of like your typical mage. They control fire and deal damage to a lot of enemies at once. This one is really good for mid-range combat. And then you have a Devastator. This is the tank-type class. It's all about brute force. They control gravity and mass to deal a lot of damage at once, and they're kind of the close-quarters bruiser. Um, They also have kind of abilities where they can do like a bullet shield and that sort of stuff that I've seen in gameplay, so that one looks really fun. And then that, the final one, is one that I think when we play together, you and I might be fighting over, and it is the Technomancer. This is kind of the support-like class that control technology. Um, This one looks super fun because they have a freeze ability, So you can like freeze enemies and then set up turrets all around them to help in combat. And it's really good for controlling or changing the pace of battle. All right. Very cool. I feel like we have good, we have some like good variety in these classes. I'm excited that you say though, there'll be any fighting, we're going to be fighting over Technomancer. I think you're in luck, Austin. You can have it because I want Trickster. I want that assassin, I want that assassin type class. Okay. Yeah. I could see you'd like that one. Yeah. I want to be, I want to. Technomancer looks cool because they come with the sniper rifle as well. So they're kind of going to hang back, set up all your support stuff and then, uh. You know, I'll be in the background sniping. I like that. Yeah, I'm, I want to be the assassin. I want to. I like the idea of controlling time and space, that slow motion stuff you mentioned. Warping around sounds cool. Any opportunity for stealth and trying to sneak up on people, I think I'd be down for that. And I, I would have to imagine, I think Keith's going to want the tank class. I think he wants to be a devastator. He can be out in front. I'm going to be trying to warp around to get behind people to set up some flanks. And I think you're going to be all over the place with that support there with your sniper and kind of getting us some cover. So I like I like that. I think we have a good squad already kind of uh, on the surface here. So uh, I did mention the kill to heal mechanic. That mechanic also works in a different way for the various classes. So like, for example, the Devastator can only heal if he's fighting in close quarters. Mm. So if he attacks somebody from far away... 
he may still kill that that enemy, but he won't get any health benefits from that. Okay. So each each class has a different way to heal as well. I like that. That's pretty cool. It's different. I like it. And then the thing that makes me the most excited for this game is the developers have said that they do not want this to be a games of service type game, kind of like Destiny. This game will not feature any microtransactions. Their goal is for players to only pay once for the game, and they intend to release a fully finished product. And how that works is the gameplay and story does not end with the main campaign. They just announced that once you beat the game, you'll unlock kind of a new camp for your squad. And in the camp, there will be a new map that gives you access to what they're calling post-game expeditions. And there's going to be 14 of those. And none of these are recycled from the main game. Uh, They're all brand new levels with new challenges, mechanics, and loot. And this is their way of releasing a full experience out of the box. It's kind of like their substitute for like DLC or paid add-ons. I like it. I feel like especially these days, the whole idea of releasing a fully finished product should seem obvious, but with... I guess certain publishers or people breathing down certain developers' necks, it just doesn't really work out. So someone saying that you're only going to pay once and this is going to be a fully finished product, it sounds at least promising and I appreciate it. So I can't wait. I'm excited. This one really feels like the next evolution of this like of this type of shooter, kind of in the vein of like Borderlands or Destiny. Well, I love both those games. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited. This sounds really cool. I know you've been championing this one, but I can kind of see why now. So this one's going to be a good one. And anytime we can get Keith to jump in on a new game with us, it's always especially fun because he likes games, but he doesn't play as much as we do. So whenever all three of us are in, like with Warzone, it's like extra special. So it sounds like this is going to be the next one. Oh, and it's it's built for three people. There you so go. It was just, it was made for the Arnie. Gosh, can't wait. Perfect. That's exciting. So my first game that I'm anticipating is Deathloop which is going to be coming out May 21st of this year for PS5 and Windows. So it's exclusive at the moment, but they have like a one-year exclusivity deal. So we'll come to Xbox One and, you know, current consoles, I guess, later on. Anyway, let's break it down. So Deathloop is definitely one of these games that I've been anticipating for a long time, not just like leading up to this year. And that's mainly because I'm a huge fan of the developer Arcane Studios, and I've just been waiting to hear about what their next game would even be. And for people that don't recognize the name or can't remember, they are the developers behind Dishonored, Dishonored 2, and Prey. The game has the player in the role of Colt, an assassin that is stuck in a time loop. He wakes up on a beach every day on the island of Black Reef. The other residents have invested in the island and have gathered for this one night to hold a party that seemingly lasts forever. Of course, that's because at the end of each night, the island itself resets to the start of the party in that time loop. Is it Palm Springs? The it game? could be with a bit more of a sinister twist because uh, because of the reset, the party goers pay no heed to their actions or deeds since they wake up at the start of the loop with no memories or effects of the previous time. So while Colt, our main character, is part of this loop, he actually does retain memories from each time around, and you kind of learn the behaviors and patterns of everybody. And the whole premise of the game itself is Colt has been tasked to take out eight targets across the island before midnight, basically before uh, the loop restarts again. So if you leave even one of these eight alive, you lose basically game over and you have to reset and it undoes all of your work. Oh, so it's like possible to beat this in one sitting if you know everything. Basically, yeah. So if Colt dies before taking out the eight targets, he just wakes up at the start. The game features a multiplayer aspect in which the player can alternatively take on the role of Juliana, who is an agent tasked with protecting the loop and actually taking out Colt. So when the player takes this role, they either they basically enter a random player's game and they can interfere with their play. Uh, that being said, the multiplayer is completely optional and players can prevent others from taking on the role of Juliana in their game. And if they do that, that basically makes Juliana a computer-controlled opponent that can try and stop you in your own game. But is there any, like, character customization? Or if you're playing as Juliana, do you, like, automatically know what Colt looks like and you can just kind of beeline to take him out? It's a good question. So I think Juliana, again, we don't have all this information yet, but I assume if you play as Juliana, maybe you have to, like, move around the world and try and find Colt. I'm not sure exactly how you would do that, how the map works or anything like that. Um, but I would assume she would know what he looks like. And again, if you're just trying to like play single player on this game, you can turn off that mode. So Juliana is just a, com- a computer controlled character, meaning if you as Colt take her out in a loop, then she's done in that loop. So then you, have, you don't have to worry about her. So yeah, it sounds pretty interesting. I don't know how it will all work, but so far I'm pretty intrigued. 
This kind of sounds like Edge of Tomorrow. Is it? Is it going to have that same kind of vein of things where you have to like memorize like player movements or like what happened, uh, and you have to remember the events of your past time loop to kind of succeed in your current time loop? That's kind of the whole premise it seems like, at least based on what the developers are saying. So what we know is that they're describing it as a murder puzzle and players are trying to figure out how to get one perfect run like you talked about. So basically, you basically you just keep playing the game until you've figured out how to maneuver, how to get each play, like each of your targets in a, like one place that like you probably want to take out two birds with one stone and just take them all out in one run. And when you fail, you restart, like we said, but at least now you have the knowledge of how things worked previously. So the gameplay itself kind of uses a combination of stealth, parkour, supernatural powers, and then, of course, standard melee attacks. And Arcane is describing it as a blend of Dishonored and Prey. So both their previous games, the actual gameplay will integrate both of those. So like Dishonored had supernatural powers where you can warp around, you can take control of certain things, you can basically do force pushing, stuff like that. So all that will be back and Colt will be able to do it. So use the player. The previous Arcane games, of course, also featured very wacky, different and fun art styles, particularly Dishonored's like half steampunk, half whale punk, I guess you would call it style. And whereas Deathloop, they're saying, and based on the trailers people can go watch now, including gameplay, is inspired by like 60s and 70s exploitation films with a color palette and world inspired by the swinging 60s time period. So it's really colorful, it's really vibrant and fun and seemingly innocent, but then the gameplay is really bloody and violent, so it's going to be a really interesting dichotomy there. I think it's just going to be fun to look at and experience. So, yeah, before we move on, did you actually get into the Dishonored games at all, Austin? I think I got like 10 minutes into the first one. Doesn't the first one open with like a sewage tunnel mission? I think so. That sounds familiar. Yeah, I think I got into the tunnel and then turned it off. <laughs> why was that? Do you remember why? I, there's something about the art style. It just didn't hook me. And, and the first person mechanics just felt clunky to me in a mm. way. Um, I just, I don't know, something about the gameplay combined with the visuals that I just particularly did not enjoy just really didn't work for me. Gotcha. I've heard people rave about that series, though. Well, this one's a completely different style, certainly wacky, but I think maybe a bit more um, accessible. So maybe you'll get into it. Um, but yeah, it's just cool, man. Like, for example, the one gameplay demo they showed at E3, you basically you see, you see Colt on one loop and he goes to one of the targets as a scientist and he kills him. And it's like, OK, perfect. Now I'm going to go to the party and kill my next target. And then he runs out of time, basically. And it's like, shit, how can I do this? So then on the next loop, he was like, OK, what if I go to the scientist's place earlier in the day and I'm going to I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to sabotage the experiment he's working on over here. And then that makes the scientist really depressed that his like <laughs> he lost all the progress. So he's like, well, you know what? I'm going to go get drunk at the party tonight instead. So now in that in that loop where you go to the party, both the scientist and that other target are there. So now you have two and one. So then you see in the gameplay, he kills both of them much quicker meaning that whole middle part of the day is now open because he's not killing the scientist. You can go kill someone else and try and figure out more patterns and all that. So it sounds like a really cool puzzle and something up my alley. So yeah, I'm just really excited for this one. So that's my first game of 2021 that I am looking forward to. Have they said how long, like how long the timer is before it resets? That I don't know if they have. They've said like in game, it's you got to do it before midnight. But now in terms of real time, how, how long one loop actually is, I do not know. I don't know if they've said that. So I'm not sure how that part will work. For me, I like the idea of learning the pattern. But if it's basically just going over and over again and failing and then restarting and I don't know, like, I assume you retain powers. I, I would assume I would I would guess, but I don't know. So it could feel very like, oh, fuck, I'm back to the beginning again. So I think it might turn off some people, but again, I don't know all the details. So maybe I'm completely wrong on that. Like maybe it's, maybe the loop itself isn't that long. Maybe it's only like an hour, for example, and there's a way to get all eight in that amount of time. But again, we'll see whenever it gets closer to release. Yeah. The memorization and the puzzle aspect sounds really fun. It's just, I could see the constantly starting over getting frustrating. Well, I do have a game coming up, Austin, that I think will be a bit more up your alley because it's similar in premise but the timeline is a bit more easy to digest. So before we get to that, why don't you run me down your second most anticipated game of 2021? I think this one might appeal to more people. Let's talk about a spiritual sequel, and it is Back for Blood. 
For anybody that doesn't know, this is basically the sequel for Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Um, this is developed by Turtle Rock Studios, who split from Valve a few years ago. Valve still owned the rights to Left 4 Dead, but uh, the original creators for Left 4 Dead now work for Turtle Rock, and they are developing Back for Blood. This is so interesting to me because I always Valve is so weird. I mean, obviously, they're so successful with Steam and stuff like that, but they kind of just stopped developing games. I don't know if they are developing anything behind closed doors, but if they're not, I know they did Half-Life Alex recently, the VR game. But other than that, they kind of left like some franchises open. And I know people have been dying for fucking Half-Life 3, Portal 3, Left 4 Dead 3. So since we're at least not getting Left 4 Dead 3, I'm really glad that Back 4 Blood is even happening because it's basically the same thing in a sequel. So I'm glad that we're going to getting to jump back in that world. And that's kind of the weird thing for me is this is Left 4 Dead 3. Like they're not yeah. even trying to hide it. That's even like on the website. Mm-hmm. Um, it says like the spiritual sequel. So I wonder if Valve like gave their permission or like their blessing for this to happen. Because you would think Valve would have like a like a lawsuit case if they wanted to go after this company since they own the rights. Yeah. For that reason, I'm, I'm assuming they're fine with it. Um, again, I don't know, but I think I think they have enough money, and clearly they don't want to make Left 4 Dead three. So if the develop if the like the current if Turtle Rock is leaving, might as well just let them do it. Again, you can't call it Left 4 Dead three, but I would have to assume they they must have given their blessing in some form. All right, so let's talk about the gameplay, and stop me if this sounds similar. <laughs> okay. It is described as a four player co op survival horror focused on replayability. You will fight zombies and try to make it to various safe houses along the way. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It sounds familiar. I can't. I can't place it though. <laughs> yeah. Of course. No. It's the exact same thing. It's. It's fun. Um. This takes place after an outbreak has infected most of humanity and turned them into the Ridden. A group of veterans called the Cleaners will come together to fight off the zombies. So your playable characters are the Cleaners. So Austin, obviously we're joking here. I mean, and I mean, even even the developers themselves have talked about how it's just it's Left 4 Dead 3. I am curious, though. I mean, while that sounds great and you and I and Keith certainly love the first two Left 4 Dead games. Is there anything here that we can like expect to be new in any way? Yes, they're leaning really heavily into maximum replayability and they do have kind of a new feature. And it is at the start of every mission, players will draw cards to create a ability-granting quote-unquote deck. Uh, the cards grant abilities like movement speed, health, uh, damage, and loot chances. There are going to be more, but that's just what they've revealed so far. Oh, I like that. That sounds cool. The game itself, they're calling it the AI Game Director, will also draw cards for like a level, and they're calling that a challenge deck. So things like larger hordes, ammo scarcity, or dense fogs will impact the gameplay for every level. Oh, I really like that. That sounds really interesting, actually. And so like your squad, everyone's going to draw cards... But then all of you can pick which cards you keep. So like each player can work to build like a team deck in a sense. But then I don't think you're going to know what the game itself drew. So you're kind of going to be trying to like be prepared for the for the unexpected. Cool. Sounds really interesting. Yeah. So they, they really want every time you replay a level for it to feel different. So it's going to be interesting to see if they achieve that or not. Do we also kind of along the same lines of expecting similar stuff from left 4 dead have they told us what these i guess you said the written like i know left 4 dead was obviously known with how fun and interesting and cool names of their zombie types basically so or is it gonna be the same thing here it's basically the same damn monsters okay okay all right we have hawkers which spit goo and traps players okay yeah bruisers which will run grab and slam players we have wretches that spit acid damage players and attract hordes and then we have snitches that will alert hordes to a player's location. And then we have ogres, which are 20-foot-tall area bosses. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, hey, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. They were great monster types. I'm glad we'll be having the same ones here. Maybe we'll get some new ones along the way. But you know what? They brought back the classics. I'm excited to take them down once again. And of course, me, you, and Keith will be diving into that one as well. I know. It's going to be fun. I like it. I like that we have these games we can bring Keith in because that's where we have the most fun, I feel like. So good. Another one that we'll have to tell him to get and he'll say no and then we'll just keep telling him to get it. Then he'll eventually get it. So, you know, that's the way we do it. (laughs) Exactly. We'll just wear him down. It's a war of attrition with Keith. God, always, always a beautiful thing. All right. So like I mentioned, I have a similar one to the last one, but maybe a bit more 
accessible in a weird way. I don't know if that's the right word. We'll see. Let me run it down for you and you let me know if this one sounds better. So my next game is 12 Minutes. And 12 Minutes is one of the 2021 games being published by one of my all-time favorite publishers, Annapurna Interactive. Obviously a great like movie production whatever you want to call it, team as well. They also have gotten into gaming. So this is the team behind Gone Home, What Remains of Edith Finch, one of my all-time favorites, Journey, and a whole bunch more. So 12 Minutes is another time loop story, which clearly, I guess, I'm a huge fan of. It's coming to Xbox One and Xbox Series X, and it basically puts the player in a top-down perspective of a husband and wife in an apartment over the course of 12 minutes where everything that could possibly go wrong goes wrong and it basically tasks you with solving a mystery. So again, I want to ask, Austin, have you heard of this game at all? I have not heard about this game, but it it almost sounds like the same mechanic as Deathloop. A little bit. I think there's going to be some carryover. But here we go. Let me let me tell you what we know and we'll see if this one sounds more interesting to you. So the player controls the husband during these events where he is free to do a whole bunch of actions. So if you don't take any actions, here's what happens in the story. Over the course of the 12 minutes, the man learns his wife is pregnant, but a police officer arrives at the apartment, accuses the wife of murdering his father several years ago, and in trying to arrest her, knocks out the husband and attacks and kills the wife and her unborn child. So that's what happens if you don't do anything. So the game then restarts at the original point, at which point the player, the husband, can now try to take actions to learn, like if the wife is actually a suspect, how to prevent her arrest or other actions as to find a better result over the next 12 minutes. So like you asked, Austin, with Deathloop, like how long is this actually in real time? And I didn't know the answer to that. This one, in real time, it actually is 12 minutes. So do you know, like, what what are some of the mechanics you can do to kind of change the course of events? Are there like dialogue choices are there like is the environment interactive do you do you know i think it's a mixture i think we have some dialogue i think we have environmental clues it's not just in an apartment they have described it as being like there's some surrounding areas that you'll be in as well so i think we're going to be finding clues discovering different things maybe trapping people in dialogue that kind of thing but something really interesting that they pointed out is you the player are not given any information of what the actual ideal outcome is. And I like that. So while the main loop lasts only 12 minutes in real time, they say the game is probably expected to take most players between six and eight hours to actually complete, but there's tons of various options. So I love that. And also like, I I always love whenever they bring in top quality talent. So the characters in this game are voiced by James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe. And they also have additional support for motion capture. So yeah, that's that's kind of 12 minutes, at least what we know so far. I think there's going to be a lot more to it. They're kind of keeping a lot of this game close to the vest. So other than that, Austin, any other questions? Does it sound exciting to you? The story sounds really interesting. And, and that cast already makes me want to check out this game for sure. Yeah, I would definitely recommend anybody that hasn't heard of it, Austin included, go check out some of these recent trailers they've put out, because I think you'll get a better idea of how the game actually works and some of the options you as the player can do to get a different outcome, like in each of your 12 minute uh, runs, if you want to call it that. So yeah, the last thing here, why I feel like people should actually be excited and pay attention to this game is... It's just a track record. The publisher, like I mentioned at the top, is great. And the developer, Luis Antonio, is a former artist at Rockstar and Ubisoft. And this is kind of his passion project that he broke away from those to work on. So I thought, I thought that was a cool story. And for me, at least, the simple premise of the game combined with seemingly incredible amounts of player freedom and options, that's just my kind of game. The art style is really simple, but it looks beautiful. And I'm really excited to find out more and more about the mystery itself by trial and error specifically. And the fact that we talked about it's just 12 minutes, I feel like it's going to be really easy to sit down, go through it a few times, try some different things, and then come back to it another time. Uh, I think it's just going to be a really memorable story. So that's 12 minutes. Anything, any last closing thoughts, Austin? It's funny because I think I think with my games, I picked some games that I think I knew you and I would both be excited about. But I think with mm-hmm. your games, you're almost like trying to sell me on yours. And I have some good news for you. You made a sale with 12 minutes. I love it. I love it. I just picked the three that I think I'm most excited for. But I do, of course, in that have to try and sell other people. I got to get other people excited. So I'm glad that one worked for you. But like you mentioned, you picked the games that we're both excited for. Outriders, Back for Blood. I'm totally down for both of those. This next one should be 
my favorite game of all time. And I think I'm going to like it, but I am, I want to say, very trepidatious, and I don't fully know why. I guess it's just not the game I wanted. So now that I've accepted what the game itself is, I'm just going to try and hop in and love it for what it is. So Austin, run us down. What is your last most anticipated of 2021? It is Gotham Knights, and I and I like what you said there because I'm very excited for this game, but I'm also very nervous. I'm, I guess I'm approaching it more of just with like a... a almost suspenseful like fascination because i just don't know what to expect from this one that's the whole thing yeah so this one is developed by warner bros montreal uh the team behind arkham origins it is set in gotham after the death of both batman and james gordon i didn't know that until until looking into this a little further but james gordon is also dead in this one right that's right corruption inside the gcpd and the rise of various criminal factions has left gotham more deadly and dangerous than ever Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Red Hood are the only ones left to protect the city and prevent it from descending into chaos. Oh boy. <laughs> I just it sounds interesting, man. I guess going back if you again, if you want to check out um our DC fandom episode that Austin and I did, that's where we first kind of found out about Gotham Knights when we first talked about it. And I guess I was just surprised, you know, when they announced that WB Montreal, like Austin said, the team behind Arkham Origins was making it. I kind of thought that this would be a game set in the Arkham universe that just took place at a different time. Or maybe it takes place after, you know, Arkham Knight. Either way. Um, But whenever they revealed it was a completely different thing and completely different gameplay, I was like, oh, wow. Um, That sounds like not what I want to play. But then they revealed that we have all four of these characters to play as. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty damn cool. So, Austin, tell me about how, like, we actually can take control of these characters and... I, I, there is co-op, right? So how 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 is this going to work? Yeah, so like you said, I mean, they're certainly taking a big swing here because the opening of the trailer is Batman's dead. So like right off the bat, they tell you yeah. Batman's you're not going to be playing as Batman in this game, we think. Um, but yeah, all four of Batman's allies will be playable and the game is going to feature kind of a drop-in, drop-out, two-person co-op as well. So okay. uh, if you want to join my game, you can hop in take control of of the remaining three that i'm not playing as and you can join me on the missions but you can also drop out and it won't impact your game and it won't really impact my game either i do also like the customization i remember watching the trailer so it's like if i'm playing as robin my robin can theoretically look completely different from yours so that that definitely appeals to me i like that we can kind of take these classic characters and make them look the way we want it's kind of cool each player is also going to have, in addition to customization options, they're also going to have distinct playstyles, abilities, and skill trees. So you can level up Nightwing different than I can level up Nightwing if you join my game. So each oh. of our characters could have different abilities as well. And then also, hmm. something I found interesting is swapping between characters is totally optional. So if you wanted to, you could play the whole game as Robin and never switch to the other three. So I'm curious if, if there's the ability to kind of have four distinct stories if you decide to take it that way as well. I wonder. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. So that's kind of interesting. Kind of just level one up as high as you can go and just stick with them. Okay. That's cool, though. I like that. That could be interesting. They also are going to be featuring uh, the Court of Owls mystery and their assassin mm. Talon. So that's going to be kind of cool. That's kind of that's one of the really more interesting uh, kind of modern Batman comic book adaptations. So I'm curious to see Absolutely. how they play that in the background, especially with Batman being dead in this one. Kind of feel like Batman might be Talon, don't you think? I hope they don't do that because the Arkham Knight one was so easy to pick out. Oh, no. So. You're right. I, didn't, I wasn't even trying to compare those. I didn't even think about that. Oh, no. Well, you know what? At least we get Red Hood in this game. And guess what character he's playing? Red Hood. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. So, yeah. Also, why don't you actually run down? So, I, I like what you're saying with the characters, the leveling up mechanic, the fact that you can kind of switch in and out or not switch characters at all. But let's run down kind of like, what can I expect if I'm playing as Batgirl like, how am I going to play versus, like, Robin? Like, is it really that different between these characters? Yeah, so they've been very, very mum on, like, how the characters differ in terms of gameplay. But here's what I know. Uh, okay. Batgirl is the tech expert. She's going to have a lot of gadgets available to her. She she fights with the Tanfa, which is like that. It almost looks like a police baton, in a sense. Right. So she'll fight with that. Nightwing, his acrobatics background, will play a big role in his combat. So he's going to be a very agile fighter. And he will fight with his uh, ex- his Escrima sticks. So those kind of two-handed yeah. uh, also look like police batons, but he'll fight with those. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red Hood will be the weapons expert. He's going to have an extremely large arsenal, including high-tech weapons. 
but they have said he will be playing non-lethal as well, so I guess he's firing blanks with all of his guns. Oh, okay. So yeah, that kind of, I guess, factors into the rebirth stories with him, you know, where he's kind of made a deal with Batman that he'll operate in Gotham, but he can't kill or Batman will take him in. On the website, they say that Red Hood's uh, reconciliation with Batman and his allies has caused him to change course and uh, adapt to Batman's non-lethal policy. Okay, you know, that's fine. I'm more interested in the character of Jason Todd. So, like, I don't need Red Hood to kill people. So that's fine with me. I think it'll still be fun to play. Robin is going to be the stealth expert. He will fight with his iconic staff, and he will apparently play the most similar to Batman. Makes sense. Okay. Well, I like that. Like you said, we don't know too much about, you know, individual gameplay, but it does sound like they are at least developing it with them each feeling very different. And if they didn't, there'd be no point. So I like that. So just with what we know right now, Austin, I mean, who are you leaning towards? Like, who do you think you would want to play most as? Batgirl seems really fun. Her her uh, gameplay demo looked like she had some pretty sweet moves and she looks like she's going to be really fun to develop. I'm going to take a guess, though, that you are going to want to play as Nightwing. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Nightwing. I do like that fast acrobatic style of fighting. I'm also just a huge Dick Grayson fan. Um, I think I'm probably just going to leave Robin at the door. I'm not a Damian Wayne guy, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll kind of make me feel better about him. And Red Hood, I'm a huge goddamn fan of like the current Red Hood runs with both Rebirth and Red Hood and the Outlaws and Red Hood Outlaw. I love both those runs. So as long as his gameplay is fun and interesting and he has a good story, like I, I'd want to play as him too. So I kind of feel like I'm going to be switching out Batgirl, Nightwing, Red Hood the most. Robin maybe, but at the very least, like the pictures for these characters, I'm interested in playing as all of them. So that's probably the best thing I can say up until this point. Well, I have good news for you. Whenever I join your game, I'm only going to join as Robin and in character as Damian Wayne. Well, I'm going to be playing in that moment as Red Hood. And the second you drop in, I'm pulling out that blank. I'm putting in a real damn bullet. <laughs> I'm taking you out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so something else I found interesting, too, is obviously the Batmobile and Arkham Knight was a huge hit. So every character is going to have their own bat cycle and we'll be using that to get around the open world Gotham. But then okay. also they've said that each character is going to have different travel options as well. And the example they gave was Robin can use the Justice League tower to teleport around Gotham. So I guess the Justice League is active in this game as well. Yeah. So what do you think are the other characters' methods of teleporting around? I mean, we can probably expect Nightwing will probably try and set up like a wire walks around the city to kind of feel like he's with his family again that died. So maybe occasionally you can like swing around the city and then maybe somebody will cut it and then he'll die too. I could probably see that. I could see maybe Red Hood might have access to like the Gotham sewers or something since he was, you know, ran with that criminal underground for a little while. And Batgirl, maybe she can get in a wheelchair and just roll around. (laughs) (laughs) That could be fun. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. All right, Matt. We've talked about Gotham Knights. We've talked about Deathloop, 12 minutes. I want to know now, what is your final anticipated game of 2021? Because I think it's a big one. It's the easiest one to say. I know Austin's right there with me. Suicide Squad? Kill it's the Suicide Justice Squad. League? That's 2022, Austin. So we're not there yet, okay? Um, but speaking, of, speaking of 2022, though, speaking of 2022, I am putting money that this game... Them saying it's 2021 is a marketing move. This game, to me, is undoubtedly 2022. We'll oh, see. Yeah, sure. I hope I hope to be surprised. All right, everybody. We'll tune back in at the start of next year, <laughs> and that's when we'll reveal what this game was. We'll just cut it. No, of course, we can't do a most anticipated 2021 without talking about this game. It's God of War, in quotes, Ragnarok? Question <laughs> mark? Because we don't know what it's called. I think that's what we're kind of assuming, but... I mean, what are we supposed to say? I don't think we need to say anything. This is the sequel to 2018's God of War series reboot, which, of course, saw Kratos seemingly living a quiet life in a Norse setting after destroying the Greek world in the previous games. That game followed Kratos and his young son Atreus traveling to Jotunheim to spread the ashes of their deceased wife and mother, respectively. Along the way, Kratos was forced to revisit past actions and kill some Norse gods. This affected Atreus, and at the end, we saw the death of Baldur at the hands of Kratos, Freya turning their back on our heroes, the two of them discovering a mural that seemed to depict Kratos' death, possibly at the hands of his son, Atreus learning Loki is his true name, and a secret ending that saw Thor, the god of thunder, arriving to confront Kratos and Atreus for the death of his sons. So Ragnarok is coming. What were your thoughts on the first game, Austin, and what aspects teased throughout the first game got you excited for the idea of a sequel? 
Oh, dude. Where do you even start with the first game? It's just so good. I mean, it honestly might be one of my favorite games I've ever played. Just the emotional journey that you take on between Kratos and, and Atreus and all the various gods you encounter and, and the way they handle North mythology. It's just all of it is so interesting. And every single thing you do in that game feels important and necessary. And it's just it's, a, it's just a perfect game. I think it's so good. Um, I'm super excited to see what they do with Atreus and his his name uh, revealed to be Loki. I'm also yeah. really interested to see if Thor and Odin are actually going to make an appearance in this game. I think they're going to have to, so I'm curious mm-hmm. to see how they handle them. And I'm also weirdly really curious to see what's happening with the World Serpent in the next one as well for some reason. That's a good point. I mean, there was something going on in the first game, I think, mysterious on purpose. And again, in the mural on the wall, it seemed like the serpent was somehow there at the death. So there's just so much we don't know about what's coming down the line, and I love that. Well, and also in in Norse mythology, too, I'm I'm really curious, too, because Loki gives birth to Famir, uh, the wolf that is supposed to kill Odin. So I'm curious if that's going to play a role as well. I'm just... Obviously, Odin's going to be concerned when he learns that Atreus' name is Loki. So I'm I'm really interested to see how the Norse gods play a role in the story. It's just one of those weird things, though, because it's like Atreus is a little boy whose name is Loki. So does that mean that he is the Loki or has there already been a Loki in this world and this character is just named after him? So it's a good question you bring up. Like whenever Odin and Thor hear that there is a character named Loki that was involved with the death of Baldur, does that scare them? Or do they go, oh, that's cool. We don't know who that is. So yeah, it's just so much we don't know. And it's kind of perfect because Austin, this is actually almost the more interesting part about this game. We know nothing. We don't even really know the title. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. The title we assume at this point is Ragnarok, but that has not been confirmed. Also in a crazy move that I still don't get because this game is ostensibly relatively close to release. Corey Barlog, who is the game director and story writer for the first game, I believe they confirmed he's working on it, but they have not said what his role is. So they have not said if he is directing this game, writing, they've said nothing, which seems odd to me. We don't know if this is a PS5 exclusive or if it will release on PS4. We don't know the basic premise of the game beyond Ragnarok is seemingly on the horizon, and we Obviously, like we already said, we don't know if this is even going to hit 2021. So like I already said, I lean towards 2022, but we'll see. I feel like with how great the first game was, though, all of this mystery being stated, we don't really need to know much about this game before release. So I guess we'll see what happens. Austin, is there anything you want to mention based on all that? I mean, I feel like all they need to do is just put out the title and the release date and nothing else and everyone in the world will buy this game. Exactly. I want to know so badly what's happening with Freya's character. Is she, is she, are they going to make her a villain in the next one? Are they going to have an interesting character arc where she eventually ends up back on Kratos' side? She was one of my favorite parts of the first game, and I'm so interested to see what happens with her character. Completely agree. So before we move on to close out, I mean, why should anybody be excited? If you haven't played 2018's God of War, you gotta play it. It's just perfect. It's a, It's fascinating. Whenever I first played it, I had barely scratched the surface on the God of War series. I had played three, but that was it. Austin, I know, hadn't played any, and he still loved the like 2018's God of War just as much as I did. I bought a PS4 just to play oh, God that's of right. War. That's right, yeah. So as for why anybody should care, I think you already do, but let's just run it down. This is the sequel to one of the greatest games of all time, period. The first game made it clear there is a plan for this reboot franchise, which is important to mention. Like we said, there were clear setups in that first game for for stuff to come. Interesting setups. So interesting setups, too. Absolutely. The story is just amazing in the first game. And I think we're going to see more of Kratos not wanting to, but having to kill the Norse gods as part of the prophecy of Ragnarok, like leading to the death of them, the Norse gods. Atreus will, of course, be along for the ride, and I wonder if he will be any older in this game. And like Austin said, I think probably the most interesting thing for me is... How does Atreus being Loki factor into his allegiance and role in this franchise going forward? And of course, I have to imagine Asgard and Odin will play a significant role after being locked out in the first game. So before we move on, Austin, is there any closing thoughts you have or any crazy theories you might have for this franchise going forward? I guess I'm just really curious to see how Ragnarok is going to play a role in the story. Because Ragnarok is supposed to be this great war that kind of comes to the door of Asgard. So I'm wondering if if maybe just more of kind of like the everyday beings of Midgard are going to be revealed and, and maybe we find ourselves in a grand war in the next one. 
I think there's going to be a war element as well. And I don't know how that affects our characters or some we've met along the way. And I am curious because I don't think they've ever said, like, so if this game is Ragnarok, is there a third game that kind of deals with the consequences of that? Or in maybe like a crazy twist, is this the last game? Like, the point is, we don't know if this is a trilogy is what I'm saying. So I'm curious, like, what the pacing we might expect. So, you know, it's going to be great regardless. I, like I mentioned, there is a lot of mystery behind this project. But that being said, I don't really care because I'm going to play it regardless. I don't need to know much before going in. I'm already bought into this. Matt, it's going to be a good year of gaming, I think. I think you might be right. I think you might be right. I guess, I guess we should say, too, like, you were able to get your hands on a PS5. I honestly don't think I'm going to be able to get it until 2022. <laughs> that thing is just impossible to get its hands on. It's it's. I got lucky. There's no doubt about that. I got lucky with like just leaving it in my cart and it worked out. Thanks Walmart. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I think you'll get one sooner than you think. I think you're. I think your luck's gonna pay off soon. Well, anybody anybody out there still trying to get the PS5, I will be seeing you in the Sony Direct line whenever that goes live again. And I'm just going to be playing mine, I guess. I'm probably going to be a little bit busy, so you might not hear from me for a while. So whenever God of War Ragnarok comes out in 2023, I'll be back on this show and uh, we'll be talking about it. So it's going to be a good time. Can't wait. I will be envious of you every day until I can get a hold of the PS5. (laughs) No, you can have mine. I'll send it to you. All right, everybody. Well, I think we are going to go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first episode of Co-op Couch. We hope this is going to be a fun little gaming series going forward. We'll be back. I think we're going to shoot to kind of put these out like the last week of the month. So we will be back in this show uh, at the end of February. If this was your first episode of the Arnie's, our main episodes do come out every Tuesday. And this past week, we did put out our first ever playthrough of a game of Dungeons and Dragons. We did. It was a blast. So much fun. Way more fun than I ever could have thought. So go check that out. Uh, There's going to be a part two of that coming as well. So it's going to be a whole adventure. We can't wait for you to meet our characters. We're also in the middle of our bi-monthly James Bond in review series. This is where we break down each and every one of the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. We've already done Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, so we have Skyfall coming real soon as well, so keep an eye out for that. Also, every Sunday, we are putting out our reaction to the most recent episode of WandaVision, so be sure to check those out and watch the show along with us as well. So go ahead and like and follow us over at the Arnie's on Instagram. DM us. What were your favorite games of 2020? What are you most looking forward to in 2021? And go ahead and follow us on our website as well, thearnies.media. Perfect for updates so you know what shows we've put out, what we got coming down the pipeline. So great way to stay up to date with us as well. Have a great rest of your week, and we will see you again on Sunday. And then, of course, again on Tuesday. Bye, everyone. Player 2 Disconnected.